What's it take to beat California's first female Secretary of State? Guts, moxie, and a whole lot of fire in your belly. Meet March Fong Yu, gender equality champion, racism squasher, and a woman who did the right thing even when it was unpopular. She took a sledgehammer to her problems both literally and figuratively. This is History the Sheikwool. Hi, Georgia. Hi. Now, listen, summer's almost over. Mm-hmm. Have you gotten to be in a pool this summer? I have. I went to the beach. Well, I've been to a few pools, but I went to the beach and I got horribly sunburned. Does that ever happen where you like can't lay down and your body is like radiating heat? Yes, but yeah. only on one side? Yeah, only. <laughs> I was reading a book. I was reading Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. So that's a long, that's like a what, six hour commitment yeah. at least? Yeah, it's like my fifth time reading it. And so you were so into it that you were like, oops, the sun is eating my skin. Yeah, hasn't that happened to you? Yeah. Yeah. But with, I mean, it, this is embarrassing. The last time I was super sunburnt, mm-hmm. I was in Jamaica with my grandmother, who I no longer speak to. Wait, what's the story behind that? Why'd you go to Jamaica with her? Well, she was she was estranged from my family, uh-huh. um, ostracized, if you will. Mm. And then when my parents got divorced, my mom was like, I think you should meet your grandmother. And she, so I did. And I was like, oh, what a nice lady. So then she took me to Jamaica. And then I found out why she's not a nice lady. Oh, but she's got drinking problems. Point is, Jamaica's not the right place for that. No, yeah. when you're stuck there and you don't know how to get a flight home. Oh no. Um, but I was reading a lot of John Grisham novels at the time, oh. and I got sunburnt on the beach reading The Rainmaker. So I do know, but I'm embarrassed to talk about why I know. Harry Harry Potter is just as embarrassing. It's the same vein. Do you think so? Yeah. Is it starting to become embarrassing? I mean. If you're like 17 years old and that you're doing that for fun, I think you're like, man, that's a guilty pleasure. Georgia, I know 45-year-old men who read that book. <laughs> I love that you but I love that you have like some self-awareness about it. I've never read one of them. What? I know. Have you watched the movies? Mhm. Oh. Yeah. So I great. I got to do the other way around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. What do you like about them? Um what do I like about them? I don't know. They're like super reminiscent of childhood, you know, and so like I think that's why adults nostalgia. like it too. Yeah. Do you think that Harry Potter, I mean, it probably already has, but do you think it will turn into Star Wars where they'll just start making like bad versions of the movie eventually? Mm, Star no, Wars is kind of always bad, but. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> I've actually never watched a single Star Wars movie in my life. Good for you. Yeah. No I love Game it. Of Thrones, like never Good. a single episode. Good. And you, and when people try to shame you for it, you go, I'm a better person than you. <laughs> always yeah, remember exactly. that. <laughs> um, so. I assume when you're on the beach, mm. you got to go to the bathroom. Were you at beaches with bathrooms? Yeah, I was down in Santa Barbara. Actually, I don't I don't think I had I don't know why I can't figure this out, but I don't think I had to pee. Oh, actually, yeah, there was a bathroom. There was a bathroom yeah, there. Yeah. So, back in the day, and I didn't know this till I started researching our subject today, mm-hmm. those all used to be pay toilets. Pay? Any anything that was a state, well, there were there was no free toilets anywhere in America. Hmm. None, okay? And um, there were 50,000 – in 1973 in America, there were 50,000 pay toilets. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them were in public buildings or public facilities like beaches. And um, they – you know, unless you had a dime, you couldn't go pee basically. Mm-hmm. Do you have any idea about how the functionality of that might have worked with a pay toilet? Uh, it was private industry, I bet. Yeah. Pr- well, I don't see – actually, some of them say that – with especially with like government buildings, it mm-hmm. was there 
They, oh, it's like state government everywhere. or federal or? Everywhere. And it wasn't a money-making scheme. They were just like, it's expensive to have indoor plumbing. We need help. <laughs> no one, apparently no one was getting like rich off of it. Hmm. But um, apparently, according to my dad, who I asked, I was like, do you remember pay toilets? And he was like, sure do. Hmm. You would have a door with a lock on it. Mm-hmm. And the lock would be released if you had a dime. Dime. But urinals were not behind a door. Hmm. So, instant discrimination against women who have to pee sitting down. That's so messed up. And this was so messed up. And this is also before things like Go Girl, Miss Wiz, and Tinkle Bell female urinal devices, which... Sorry, explain that to me? (laughs) Female urinal devices? Okay. I would say Google it, but I would like to spare you the... um, (laughs) So they're plastic cups that yeah. basically mimic a penis, and then oh, you no. put it against your your reader, and then you can pee standing up. It's for mm-hmm. camping, but people use it in other facilities. I don't know how I feel about that. It oh. hasn't. I think I have to let that sink in. You have to let it sink in, and then also I would highly recommend if you need more fuel for your opinion is to go on Amazon and look at the product pictures. Really? Yeah, because it's is just it like a woman running in a field, like. It's full. It's, it shows you how they work. Like there's illustrations, oh. and then there's women peeing standing up. Oh, mm. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty. That bums me out. It's pretty. Like I have to say, like it was pretty shocking when I saw it because I thought I was just going to see like the product. Also, the names are awful. Go Girl, yeah. Miss Wiz, Ugh. and Tinkle Bell. Ugh. Tinkle Bell. That's horrible. That's probably the worst part about it. <laughs> So this was before there was a, a woman could adapt, use a plastic device to adapt to a urinal, basically. Yeah. So Marge Fong Yu was having none of it. And I want to talk mm-hmm. about her today. So, Georgia, are you ready to learn about an amazing woman whose anger and passion created a better California for you and for me? Yes, I'm so ready. Marge Fung Yu was born March 29th, 1922. Aries, baby. Alpha, passionate, motivated, confident, ambitious, curious, brave, enthusiastic. Takes initiative. All the things that Aries are known for. What's your birth sign? Pisces. Oh, oh. Pisces are so... I mean, honestly, like, if you... If you don't have a Pisces best friend, you better get one. Uh Yay. Stable. Um loving yeah it's a oh. water sign it's like a whale if a whale was a person yeah yeah <laughs> if a whale was a person it would be me <laughs> static always always reliable <laughs> i don't know where the negatives are um like very sensitive oh you're like human sponge yeah a little bit yeah, yeah. emotional you know i i don't i don't think that's a bad thing yeah people Maybe. need more of that i mean you don't want to be like paralyzed by the the um you know world around you but okay so march liked to say that she was born behind a chinese laundry in san francisco which she basically was her parents ran um a laundry there and this was a rough time to be chinese in america the chinese are the first ethnic group in the history of the united states to have been specifically denied entrance to this country chinese exclusion act oh honey she got to it before I did because she's smart. That's exactly what I want to talk about. I don't think a lot of people know about this in the, I mean, people know about. It's taught in A-Push. They are? In the U.S. history, yeah. Well, I didn't, but only if you're in California, don't you think? 
Oh my God, I didn't even think about that. Okay. This is, it's not a, and by the way, it should be taught nationally because we need to be reminded of the things that we do like this so we don't fucking repeat them like we're doing right now. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, um, who weren't in Georgia's AP history class, (laughs) the Chinese Exclusion Act um, was basically the government was threatened by the amount of Chinese laborers coming over looking for a better life because the dynasty in China at the time was crumbling. These Chinese laborers risked their lives, in many cases, to build the Transcontinental Railroad and a lot of other Mm -hmm. infrastructure in this country, which we don't care about anymore, Mm -hmm. which we've basically thrown away. And their reward was that the United States made it illegal for for anyone of Chinese descent to testify in court, own property, vote, bring their families over, marry anyone non-Chinese, or work in institutionalized agencies, Mm -hmm. which would, um, I beg to argue that probably meant you didn't run for office yeah (laughs) yeah and also wait can i swear or no yes the really fucked up thing is that the irish immigrants at the time were like the main people who were against all these chinese laborers because they thought they would take their jobs but it's literally the same thing going on on the southern border because the jobs that the chinese were taking was the irish considered it below them you know like i'm using air quotes right now but it's so like we're repeating the exact history repeating itself. It's also, so crazy. It's also just like, especially at this time when there's like infinite land, infinite. What the fuck do you care? There's a labor deficiency in California. Like I'm t- agriculture. The, what white people in this country want is not what they. That what they want is to be assholes. Yeah. They don't actually want to do those to do the jobs that I they're. Know. I know. I know. And it's it, by the way, it's just it's it's. Different times, same thing, exactly. over and over again. Exactly. The um, so this this law was on the books in the in in California till nineteen forty or yeah. In was it a national law? It was federal. Yeah. I think it was federal. Yeah. So it was on the books till nineteen forty three. Nineteen forty three. Nineteen forty three, and that was when March. Uh, her name was March Fong at the time. Was twenty one years old. So imagine growing up Chinese American in that kind of environment. I mm-hmm. just don't think that you, how could you have hope that you could accomplish your dreams or really anything above like, and another thing is that the reason, and you probably know this, the reason there's so many Chinese laund- uh, laundries and um, restaurants in on the West Coast is because labor specifically was barred to them. So one of the loopholes of them getting over was to do oh. something different. Oh, wait, what? Yeah, so basically, like, you couldn't come over and be a laborer anymore, but you could come over and open a restaurant, or you could come over and open a laundry. Oh, that's so crazy. I know. It was, like, industry-specific also. But it also, like— And then they passed laws on laundromats that were, like, extremely restrictive to shut down the laundromats. It was—it's, like, every group that's been absolutely vilified in this country, it's, like— you, for no reason. For no reason. And then, like, they try to survive, and the government's like, oh, no, actually, that new way that you just thought of, like, you can't do that either. I know. I know. And and if you can you can show this pattern between black Americans, indigenous people, et cetera, et cetera, women, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, anybody, okay? <laughs> uh, white men, white cisgender men in power are exceptional at finding ways to be dicks to people. That's and really tearing down people instead of building people up. Anyway, this is the environment that March was was raised in. And this sentiment, this anti-Chinese sentiment, had poisoned the environment around her, even her teachers. 
She was a straight A student. She did everything right, worked hard, very dedicated, classic Aries. And one day she went in to talk to her high school counselor and said, hey, I want to be a teacher. And her counselor said, oh, good luck finding a school district that will hire a Chinese person. Oh, my God. So already being tamped down at this point. And have you ever, do you, do you have a situation in your life where you feel like you've worked really, really hard for something and then someone was like, oh, actually, you can't do that? Like, because um, you're, are you doing college Yeah, I'm doing stuff college. right now? I mean, I'm a white female. There's not really much that is, well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I do know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's crazy. He so should not have said that. And I know. She was straight A and like on that path. And- well, I there's this there's this theory I have with adults. I, I don't know the race of this person, but um, I, I have, have two theories. Theory. You know, if if the if this person was Chinese American, uh-huh. there's a chance that out of fear and out of their own baggage and damage, they were like, "Please don't do this to yourself." Yeah. Or they weren't, and they were like, "Don't get fucking extra." Mm-hmm. Know your place. Mm-hmm. I don't know which one it was. Both are mm-hmm. shitty. Both are shitty. She also did not get any support from her parents. In a 1990 interview with the San Francisco Examiner, she said, "My parents had no perception of my possibilities." Hmm. What? Hmm. Yeah. Can you? I mean, can you imagine your parents being like, "Actually, you're not a talented person, and you should just like." So she was like completely self-driven. It was all from her. Not one person was helping her. Not wow. one person. Now, that would be enough to keep someone down for the rest of their lives, but yeah. March is not prevailed. She was, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> she went to on to get a bachelor's degree from UC Berkeley in 1943. Oh, my God. A master's of education from Mills College three years <laughs> later, and then no big deal, earned her doctorate in education from Stanford in 1954. Wow. So she went to a few schools. I bet you'll hire me now. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my God. And think about this. So she's not only um, Chinese. She's a, a woman, woman. And she's doing all this without the support of anybody. And probably like lower class? Yes. Wow. Yes, exactly. So she had all the, I mean, that alone is like, girl, you could just stop. You're, yeah. You did it. But yeah. she was not done. She ha- already had this exceptional life, breaking so many bar- barriers, but- she decides, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to run for Alameda County Board of Education. And huh? she won. And she served on the board for three years. And I want to say something about this in particular, because this mm-hmm. kicked off her political career. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't understand, like, when they see, like, Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders or any of these, like, high-profile socialist um, kind of, like, renegade politicians, they say, like, it's easy to just think, like, oh, they just started like that. Mm-hmm. But it's just not the case. People want to be involved. Anybody who wants to be involved in politics, this is how you start. You start in local politics. You start small. Mm-hmm. And you t- take the people out who you who don't, who aren't doing a good job, and you do it yeah. locally. Yeah. You can do so much change if you start, if you, especially if you want, if you have bigger aspirations, you can do so much by being on the school board. Mm-hmm. For example, in Texas, the Texas State School Board recently voted to take Hillary Clinton and Helen Keller out of all the school books. What? They won't even be taught. Wait, what did Helen Keller do? Jeez, other than just being a woman. A, a well, a salty woman who was who dared to like go above her station. I don't really know. Oh, I know why. Helen Keller was a socialist. And I think Helen Keller later in life was like. But there's so much more to her story than, oh God, I know. Texas. Texas. Well, here's the other problem. Texas dictates the history books that are 
sent or that are made for the rest of the U.S. Why? Because it's such a big state. It's not every history book, but essentially, like, Rand McNally will be like, uh, well, we're already making millions of history books for Texas, so you're just going to have to get what they get because we're not making special history books for Ohio. Oh, We're no. not making different his- history books for New York. And since there's only, like, four people who make history books, oh, I mean, isn't that disgusting? So gross. I know. Hillary Clinton and Helen Keller. And they both start with H's. Like, yeah, I mean, deviate a little bit. Like, Hillary Clinton, I would have expected them to do but From Helen Keller yeah yeah well even Hillary Cl- but I mean like they shouldn't of course you're excluding like, the first um, Democratic nominee yeah yeah female Democratic nominee yeah that's sorry, you're female, gonna I forgot the female yeah I know I <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry I mean she is it, it's so problematic because like she has been like look I could get into the Clintons for hours but you know, she played the game and she did it and she... She made history and then was erased from yep, history. Yeah. exactly. For playing the game. So March Fong at the time, she, her um, second husband is you, which is where she got that that part of her name. But let's talk about her before before she's married this guy. Also, I want to say this is really, really incredible. When I was researching her, mm-hmm. there's very little about her husband's, and she was married twice, which I, I love. love <laughs> so she had this job at Alameda County Board of Education, and she said, okay, after three years, I'm ready to move on. So she won a state assembly seat where she repped Oakland and Castro Valley in 1966, Mm -hmm. where she was one of three women in the entire state legislature. Wow. The whole state. I feel like you might not have these situations anymore, but have you been in a room or a group or like any of the volunteer opportunities that you do or at school where you just, you look around and you're like, I'm the only female. I work for... Uh, I used to work for an assemblyman and now I work for a councilman and a law firm. And there's like maybe three women in each room with like 13 men. It's crazy. And how, what is it? What's the, is there a tone difference? Can you tell when? Yeah, there's like some kind of, um, I can't think of any other like word other than like bro code. Does that make sense? The men are just like so much more relaxed and like easy and um, kind of like joking around with other men. And then a woman walks into the room and she's like, she's funny and she's witty and she's the same amount of successful as they are. And they just like shut down. It's like, they don't mean it. They're great men. They just shut down. And they're probably not even aware that they do Not it. at all. Oh, I know. But here's the thing. I always think it's easier for women to be friends with men than it is for men to be friends with women. And I, agree. I don't understand why there is a barrier there. I don't I, know. It, it can't always be sexual. No, I, I think, I feel like women are aware of the energy, like of the energy that they bring into a room and like they actually pay attention. Well, because Not we've to be had sexist, to. No, but, but yeah. we've had to. We've been taught to. Yeah. Like, you're reading my energy, I'm reading your energy, and, like, we're playing off of that. But men just, like, walk into the room, and they're like, I'm here, and I'll be here for the next two hours, then I'll leave. And that's, like, all that they think about. I have a friend who, when I go to lunch with him, he leaves after an hour regardless. Yeah. And it's, I respect it, but I I could never do that. No. I can never just be like, so great to see you, bye. And then he literally runs, like, not runs, but he, like, 
Speed walks. Speed walks away. He's a very <laughs> successful screenwriter and um, director, and he just has that. He has that thing where he yeah. can just do that. I can't imagine even being successful enough. I don't know what level of success I could have where I could feel confident enough to do that. I don't think women, like it's been And you get to vilified us. to it. If, yes. Mm-hmm. You're called a bitch if you do the same thing that men do, you know? Which is why I'm kind of, I kind of would like to see what happens if Elizabeth Warren gets the Democratic nomination because I kind of want to see what happens when she like goes bulldog on Trump. I want to yeah. see what, how people respond. Yeah. Do you think she'll get the nomination? I don't think so, but I like her. Yeah. Um, I think Bernie's going to get it. I hope Biden doesn't. Yeah. That those are my those are my thoughts. <laughs> Biden had his time. Biden. Ha- he's yeah. He's just Biden time now. <laughs> Sorry that why that was good. Thanks. Keep that in. I appreciate it. <laughs> so she's on. Okay, so now she's in state legislature. March Fung is on state legislature, mm-hmm. and. She's a minority in the House and is also an Asian woman. And she did not let any of that keep her quiet. In 1967, she blocked the assembly from adjourning early for the Press Legislature Golf Tournament, which was an annual all-male event that had been barred, that she'd been barred from attending because she was a woman. She presented a resolution calling for, quote, an end to this crass discrimination. She got the support of two of the guys. Two? Out of how many? 80. Oh, Uh God. And they all referred to her resolution as the State Commission on the Status of Women, which was an insulting way of saying, like, men are being sexist. Why are you even bothering us with this thing? This is your problem. Yeah. This is your problem. You can't go. But that didn't keep her from fighting gender discrimination. Oh, by the way, they also, like, they were like, all right, shut up. And then they left anyway. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. This is in California, you know? Yeah. I want to make sure everyone's constantly reminded of the fact that, like, California wasn't always, like, cool people in charge. And we still don't necessarily have cool people in charge. But yeah. I think California gets a very liberal brand. Bra- yes, but we don't necessarily deserve it all the time. So then she later staged a protest at an all-male club in Sacramento. First, nice. she got an invitation. She didn't disclose her gender, got an invitation to go, and then invited the press to come and record her live getting kicked out. <gasps> oh, my God. She was a rabble rouser. Yeah. She said, even if I were chairman of a committee meeting there for a luncheon, I would be excluded. Now, that club then later agreed to accept female members. Nice. She changed that. And it wasn't the last thing that she changed. And, and, and really, her, her legacy was um, ge- a gender discrimination. Three years later, in 1969, this is, this is when her legacy was sealed. And this mm-hmm. is where you might it might start ringing a bell who she is. So at this time, as I mentioned, there were pay toilets. She was pissed about it. She's like, why do I have to pay a dime every time I have to pee? So, and I don't know how, this, this is even a time when I can't imagine, there was no like water bottle situation. You know, yeah. I pee all the time because I drink water. I carry water on me. Mm-hmm. But this is like a coffee and cigarettes day. Mm-hmm. I assume you had to pee like once or twice a week. <laughs> Nonetheless, nevertheless, she was mad that she had to pay every time she had to go to the bathroom and the guys could st- pee standing up and free urinals. So she took a toilet, put it outside on a um, on a crate, invited the press. The toilet had a lock on it mm-hmm. and she had a sledgehammer. Mm-hmm. She meant to just shatter the lock, but she shattered the whole toilet. 
oh, no. with one stroke. And it's kind of awesome. Though. People were like, "What are you?" Doing? No, it made her a superstar. Really? Yes, it made her a superstar, and she got a lot of press attention for it. And that picture is actually how I found out about her because it was on the anniversary of her doing that that the LA Times and um, and San Francisco newspapers were talking about her again. Mm. And I just, I mean, it's stunty, but I, it it worked. I mean, yeah, she it, did what she needed to do. It absolutely worked. Then. She got so then in um, 1974, a couple years later, finally pay toilets were banned in California, all set off by this toilet smashing wow. stunt. Four years later? Four years later. That's so short. I know. I know, especially in, in like in, local government. Yeah. Then in 1974, when they were banned, she said, Well, okay, I've done a lot of stuff as state rep, but what if I was to run for Secretary of State of California? And she won. Wow. She was the first Asian-American woman ever to be nominated to a state constitutional office in the United States and the first female secretary of state in California ever until 2006. Until 2006? And when did she win? She won in 1974. Oh, no. She was state... She was... um, That's so long. She was secretary of state for 20 years. Really? She won back-to-back-to-back elections. Wow. Now, here's an interesting thing. That I think, I think this is why voter, voter voting rights is such a contentious thing in the in the U.S. and yeah. and and I'll and I'll use her, I'll use her um, laws that she put into place to show you why. Now mm-hmm. she won for twenty years. Yeah, and here's one of the things that she did while she was there. One of the things she did many things. She was a fierce advocate for voting access. Mm-hmm. She's the reason that we have. Uh, we have voter registration by mail and voting by mail. Wow. She is the reason. She is the reason that we have absentee ballots to anyone who requests them. Mm-hmm. She's the reason that we post results on the internet. Mm-hmm. And she is the reason that we have candidate statements in ballot pamphlets. Oh. She was like, That's such a good idea. It's brilliant. And all she did in her whole career, she saw something that was wrong. She's like, I'm going to fix this. Yeah. And she did. Now, here's the thing the reason that people, especially in the Southern states, are so against voting access is because they know that if people can vote, they're going to vote for someone who's actually doing shit and actually getting things done and on the right side of history. Yeah. This is a great example. She fought for voting access and she won for 20 years in a row, even in Republican counties like Orange County. She won in Orange County? She won in Orange County. Wow. At at certain points in some of her her campaigns, she got 80% of the vote in California. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing what she was able to do. Now, she's a powerhouse. Powerhouse. This is something that isn't often talked about when they talk about her legacy. Mm -hmm. In 1980, her office was in San Francisco, or she had an office in San Francisco, and this was the tippity-top of the AIDS crisis. Mm. She hired an openly gay man, Tony Miller, to be her deputy. Oh, wow. And this was when gay people were being straight out villainized yeah. and rejected and just like full, you know, leprosy treatment. When asked about basically why she didn't discriminate against this person for his sexual orientation, she said, I don't want the support of anyone who would have a problem with him. Oh, my God. This was in 1980. I love her. I know. Isn't it fantastic? Yeah. That, that she existed and that that we got her and we I got— I mean, people were afraid to touch, like, people who were gay or people with 
Yeah, yeah. It was, it was not a, even people with AIDS. Like they didn't even know. They didn't know. So everybody got the treatment. It was, it was horrific. And during that time she was like, um, no, I'm not a monster. Yeah. So Tony will be working for me. And if you have a problem, you can get lost. Okay. <laughs> so then after she was done being secretary of state, Bill Clinton, problematic womanizer, named her ambassador to Micronesia. Do you know how many islands are in Micronesia? No. 600. Cool. She was ambassador to all of them. Who else it's could do it? Easy job. Yeah. Easy. She held the post for two years. And then 1996, after 33 years of politics, she said, I'm done. After yeah. 33 years. Yeah. She sadly died in December 2017. Just shy of her 96th birthday. Oh. She lived a very long time. And she died having done more in her lifetime than anyone could hope. Yeah. Than any of us could hope of doing. Yeah. Or maybe, I should rephrase that, we should be so lucky to have aspire. aspire to accomplish as much <laughs> as March Fong Yu. She's such a cool lady. I can't believe I've never heard of her till now. Like, Ever. I haven't even... And you knew about this exclusion. I mean, it wasn't yeah. like you weren't taught about Chinese-American history in history class. Yeah. I was just... First woman. Look, history, regardless of whatever it is, if it's like California state history, federal history, world history, it's always base level male. Yeah. And, and then everything... It's a deviation if you're a female in that. So yeah. you often get excluded. Um, she's a great example of that. I my, mean, my history book that I used last year, it was so fucked up because it would have a chapter about like the founding fathers. Right. And then on one page, the page was printed on pink and it would have like, uh, a cool woman who did something nice. And it was like Abigail Adams. Well, Abigail Adams also was a very big advocate for women's rights. And when the, when her husband was rewriting the Constitution after the Revolutionary War, she yeah. was like, you know about this. Yeah. Remember the women? Yeah. And he was like, okay. <laughs> no, thanks. Pass. Okay, Georgia, it is the time of the show where we illustrate to our listeners how easy it is to sprinkle facts about March Fong you into everyday conversations. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm so ready. These are scenarios you're going to find yourself in all the time. Okay. And I'm sure you do already. <laughs> okay. Scenario one, some jerk at your school is counseling you for a college entrance essay. Uh -huh. He tells you to stop trying so hard. Ah, this is what you say. And your response is right here. This one? Yeah. I'll ignore you, Chad, just like Mark March Fong ignored her high school counselor. And let's hope, for your sake, I don't care to keep an Excel spreadsheet of anyone who got in the way of my aspirations. So I'm, I don't know if you have an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> of course I have an Excel spreadsheet. Of all your enemies? Yeah. yeah. As you should. Yeah. Multiple so tabs. <laughs> You've got them very organized. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Okay, scenario two. Okay. You and your friends are camping in Big Sur, and one of your friends brought a game I'm calling When I'm Old. <laughs> you draw a card that asks, this game doesn't exist. You draw a card that asks what you'll do when you're 74. You say, Just like March Fong Yu, I hope I come out of retirement to run an office because I'm so mad about the Al Gore, George Bush, Florida election debacle. And I also hope to find a crappy voting machine and smash it with a sledgehammer to announce my campaign intention. So she came out of retirement briefly to rerun for state office because of the... Did she win? No. Oh. But 
She gave it a good go. She did. She did. And she I like love 87. She was quite old. Not that you can't run being off. Oh, but the thing is, is she did this. She, she took her stunt and she's like, I'm going to restunt this. Yeah. Got that voting machine. Smashed yeah. it with a sledgehammer and yeah. said, I'm running for office. <laughs> I love a woman with a catchphrase that involves a sledgehammer. <laughs> Scenario three. You're the only female elected to government office at your college. Mm-hmm. A fellow office holder tells you to take a mite all when you complain about the lack of women's toilets at the college. You say... Nothing. You smack them in the face like March Fung Yu when someone misbehaves in state legislature. She's to hit true? people... Oh my God! <laughs> she used to smack people for being racist. Like what? Like truly smack? In the back of the head. Oh my God! During one of the videos I was watching about people talk at her um, at her funeral, mm-hmm. that was one of the that was one of the stories about her. It was a, her her fellow state assembly member who was black. Someone said something racist to him. She just she just hit him with an open open hand. Oh my! In the back of the head. <laughs> I love her. I really love her. We need more of her in the world. Yeah. Georgia, thank you for lending your mind, opinions, and stories to us today. Thank you for having me. And go out there and be more March Fungy. Yeah. (laughs) Aries, baby. Aries, baby. (laughs) Do you know what her um, campaign slogan was? No. March Fong makes me happy. Oh, I love it. Don't you want to hug her? She's so wholesome. I know. She's a wholesome, (laughs) angry lady who gets it done. Yeah. That's what we need. Yes. A few more thousand of those. History the Sequel is built on the backs of amazing dead women who created the opportunities you have today. Researched by Alex Everhart. You can follow her at Alex Icon Devil. Produced by Cody Fisher. Engineered by Cody Fisher. And this episode was hosted by Aaron and Georgia. You can follow us on Instagram at History, the sequel. I'm really overwhelmed with the support I have for my bill. You know, as most of you know, when I introduced uh, AB 787, I hadn't intended that I would get as much support as I did, but evidently the pressure is mounting. Bye. See you guys later.